Welcome to episode 96 of Coffee with Mirko. It's my pleasure to have you here. I'm very grateful and I hope you're well and safe wherever you are in the world. There's a lot going on in our lives, governments, pandemics. And this is just a little window where you can just sit back, relax, listen to the chat and enjoy so that you don't have to worry for an hour about whatever everything is happening around the world so uh if you're new welcome it's lovely to have you here uh this is a podcast where we chit chat with coffee professionals and non and there's a lot of good good stuff so today we're interviewing charles babinski and uh yeah it'll be pretty sick episode so stay tuned we'll send him the invite now and uh we are ready to rock and roll in a matter of minutes so here we go. I believe it's his first Instagram live, so it's gonna be uh, a first time. And uh, if you're new, uh, thank you. Hi everybody, um, welcome and uh, so good to have you. This is also available as a podcast format and uh, you know, we're just uh, doing our thing down here and uh, we just managed to get Charles right on right here and we're gonna add him on the live stream. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Good morning. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Man, I love I love the you know, your yeah. I love the vibe. It's good. Yeah. I love the beanie. It's necessary because it's like forty degrees right now and uh yeah, it's it's pretty cold. Uh coming from coming from LA, like I'm in Massachusetts right now. I am not particularly used to uh weather of any kind. And so, like a rainy day like this is kind of special. Yes, and it's always, I don't know, there's something about rain that, I don't know, just gives me the vibe of drinking more coffee. Uh, that's me anyway. Um, yeah. It's just a good excuse. Like, oh, it's raining, one more cup. Coffee, <laughs> uh, tea, chai, anything hot. Hot chocolates and uh, marshmallows. Uh, Charles, uh, thank you so much for popping by. I know you're a busy man. Uh, between everything that goes on and uh, I really appreciate your time and before we kick off uh, how are you and your family doing this uh, shall we say interesting year yeah I'm we're doing really well uh, in the grand scheme of things like things are pretty wonderful uh, so two months ago I moved from Los Angeles to Western Massachusetts and be close to family and kind of ride out what the next few months are going to be like, next six months, next year, uh, who really knows, while I start to prepare on, prepare for what the next thing is. So it's actually been like a pretty nice time for introspection, reflection, uh, spending time with my daughter and my wife. Um, my daughter is five years old, so this is kind of, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. We get to play games, watch movies, uh, you know, share things from our imagination so yeah over, overall I, I know it's it's like it's been an extraordinarily tough time for a lot of people and I, I feel a lot of gratitude that um, I've been able to use it as an opportunity to rest and reflect uh, yeah you're speaking to my heart right now uh, yeah I think you know uh, as much as it's difficult to see others suffering yeah it's been a it's been a blessing time for myself too so i can i can really resonate i don't have a five-year-old or but at the same time it was a, a good chance because it just makes you really appreciate what we had which was a lot more than what we thought you know like we just finished pretty much give and take we just finished seven months of lockdown in melbourne and uh, you know the other day i was sitting at a cafe and uh, I was sitting at a cafe drinking a double espresso made from a beautiful slayer from a good friend of mine. And uh, I was like, life is good. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I, uh, the one thing I want more in the world than anything right now is to be in a coffee shop packed full of people with loud music playing and just to be able to kind of like take in the vibe of it. Like there's these, there's these things that, you know, it, and the scary thing is we might not 
be back to that for another year. Like it might be a while till we get to have those experiences. But yeah, 100%, just um, something to think about is just how wonderful it was and what all the best things are. And when we get to have them back, um, you know, we don't, won't take, a, take, uh, take them for granted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, uh, I'm a positive guy by nature, as many know me. And, uh, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that many of us, I mean, I don't know anything and I don't want to get into politics here, obviously, but yeah, whether it is A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, because I've heard it all in the past seven months, I just don't get caught up into that because it's just my energy go elsewhere anyway. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's, I think this is going to be here for a while. And uh, like I was saying on another episode, I think it's just going to be almost, it's just going to be, I don't know, uh, just the same as, I don't know, have you ever flight, uh, have you ever flown uh, before 9-11, I'm assuming? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty lax, it was pretty chill, like you would, you know, walk in. Now, you know, everybody got accustomed to a higher level of security and uh, it takes X, Y, Z time to go through and we adapted. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that eventually we'll, uh, we'll adapt into whatever is the new, the new, new, uh, as they yeah. say. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, you know, this isn't the standard for the next, uh, you know, 10 years, uh, like the 9-11 stuff was. Oh, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Charles, uh, that was great. I think we could, yeah, we'll probably hit off and talk even further about this. But um, uh, if you can just kick things off by saying just, you know, how did you start your coffee journey? Yeah. Um, so when I was... Uh, 15, I dropped out of high school and I started working in a kitchen uh, and it was my first real job um, and it was like a fine dining place in, in the city I was I grew up in and started as a dishwasher washed dishes for a year and kind of worked my way up to line cook and that was more or less my high school was working in restaurants working in the back of house uh, when I was 19 I moved to New York and I didn't know what I wanted to do I had a lot of really erroneous ideas about what I wanted to do uh, but I, I had a sense that I didn't really want to work in kitchens anymore. And at that time, like, I was 100%, like, Kitchen Confidential had first, had just come out and, or, you know, had recently come out. And there's, like, an energy in the kitchen of, like, you know, jackass pirate, I think might be a good, uh, good way of putting it. You know, yelling and uh, super aggressive and, you know, really high energy. And, and I think that that's a lot of fun for people. And it was great for me when I was a teenager, um, but it kind of wore thin over time. And I, I decided, well, I don't want to work in, in kitchens anymore. And so I just kind of naturally fell into a coffee job as something that was in between, something place where I could use my hands, use my ability to make things, um, but have an easier time of it. And, you know, the, the, the reality of it was is like, it's so much harder to be in the front of house. It's so much harder to be interacting with people than it is to be, um, you know, just cooking in my opinion. And especially for me, you know, as a relatively awkward teenager or 19 year old. Uh, so it was a huge learning curve, but it's just one of those things, um, you know, working at this coffee shop on the uh, upper side of New York, um, taking three trains to commute every morning, you know, at 4.30 in the morning. And I don't know, I, I loved it. I loved everything that I learned about it. I loved the challenges of it. And, you know, kind of the, the thing that was true then that is true now is like, coffee's a world where everything you put into it, you, you get something back. And it's, it's really fruitful, it's really rich. Um, and so I found myself moving from New York to Chicago, started working for intelligence in Chicago. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the rest is maybe history. Uh, I was a trainer there in Chicago first, then L.A. In L.A., uh, I met Kyle Glanville, and we opened up a coffee shop eight and a half years ago uh, as a pop-up, uh, GMB, and that became GMB, and then it was Go Get em Tiger, and now there are, I think, 10 uh, Go Get em Tigers, nine or 10 Go Get em Tigers in uh, Los Angeles. Um, and that was a you know really exciting trajectory. We started as a multi roaster, eventually moved on to roasting our own, um, and maybe 
four months ago, I decided to leave the, co the company, uh, sort of like moving on to what the next thing is. Uh, yeah, I think it's an incredible story and there's so many things to unpack. I mean, first, you know, the bar doesn't have knives like the kitchen. So obviously, you know, <laughs> you have different kind of hazards, which is more, you know, the customers that, you know, that like you said, it's difficult uh, being in hospital nine years and yeah again kitchens kitchens can get interesting uh especially with the angry screaming uh element like you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, and and i think uh, i think we underestimate and undervalue sometimes how how much of a hustle it is hospitality like you know everybody thinks hustling is uh, i don't know nowadays what is popular you know drop shipping or affiliate marketing and you know sell 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 but like you said it three trains 4 30 in the morning for how many mornings you've done it you know like in retrospective if you think about it like it's like fuck like that's a lot of work standing up all day you know smashing out coffee after coffee um and how was I suppose, you know, because I'm not sure what your first jobs were like in terms of being on the machine, but how was going to, I guess, intelligentsia and go, well, okay, did you, when was your aha moment when it came to coffee rather than being just a job? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I always like, uh, I don't think I had quite an aha moment in the same way because I was a person where, if you, I, I think in general, I'm the sort of person where if you drop me down in the middle of nowhere, I'll find a way to make myself busy. And so there was never, I'm, I'm, I've never been particularly reflective as far as like, uh, you know, what, what does it mean? What am I? What am I? Where am I headed? What am I going to become? Uh, I'm grateful to have had a family where uh, expectations weren't really about achievements um, in general. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to pin down an aha moment. Um, I had a, I've had a few moments in my life where, you know, oh, a St Stephen Morrissey is saying, yes, you did. I'm guessing that Stephen's going to say that it had something to do with him and that there's like a specific story where he taught me, uh, opened up the world. Um, and I'm sure that's true. Uh, but uh, I, had some, I had some really wonderful um, coffee moments. I remember tasting a... Um, a Jurga Chefe in the early days of um, my time at Intelligentsia as an espresso, where, yeah, it was just like, it, it, you know, it wasn't that it was like, I tasted this one thing. It was just like, this this cup is singing. Like, what on what on God's green earth is happening? Like, this is a really wonderful, sublime moment. Um, and I've, I've probably had four or five of those in my life. Uh, and those those keep you going. But also just like, what a, what a great feeling. And I think like, there's a lot of people who have this when they work in coffee shops, where you like kind of, you just kind of look around, and you're like, these people are awesome. Like, I, I get to serve really wonderful people who are kind, who care about the right things. Like, I get to work with these people who are doing exciting things in the shop, and they're doing exciting things outside. And like, every day, because of the work that I put in, my life is like all the richer for it. And that's not like something that like is a is like a necessarily just a moment in time. It's like something that builds up and that you feel in your life as a whole. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm super happy that I I fell into the world of coffee, uh, and uh, I'm really happy I stayed. Oh, and and we are you did uh, that you did. Uh, I think uh, it's um yeah yeah. I'm going to have to see on a couple of those that you said, I think, digest them mentally. Uh, no, I think it's great what you're saying. And, yeah, coffee has that element. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And not only the people that we work with, but also, like, like you say, people serving. Like, we, we can get, we can make someone's day in less than 12 minutes. You know, I think that's pretty special. Um, and I think something that you touch base quickly, there's a couple of things there that I, that I really like. I was lucky enough in terms of having a very supportive family where expectations is the word that you use were never given to me. So when I told my mom, who's a teacher, she's like, you know, she's all about studying history, philosophy, Italian literature. Like I've seen my mom, you know, growing up, I've seen my mom walk into her studio at two and coming out at midnight, you know, it's like, don't stop. And, um, 
a few mockers were gathered through actually thinking about it now. Um, <laughs> and when I told her, look, I'm, I'm not going to uni, like, it's just, I'm not academic. I'm sure that I internally killed her a little bit, but she was, my parents always asked me, they would give me their opinion and then they would ask me, the last question would be, are you happy? Yeah. The end. And uh, yeah, I think that's super important. And uh, I think that you, you're proving also all the people who, you know, you know, you, like you say, you dropped out of high school, you know, like everybody were like, oh my God, you're going to end up under a bridge, you know, like that's, that's yeah. sort of... You know, I had a teacher you know, like, who said that, yeah. Oh, there you go. Like, how do you navigate that for people out there who are hating their studies in terms of even a uni, let's not go to high school, but even there's people out there who are not doing what they really want to do. Yeah. I... I mean, I don't know. That's that's such a hard thing to, to sort of prescribe for somebody's life. I like I said, I was really grateful that I had I had a family where um, people weren't too caught up in achievements and in the grand scheme of things. It was more about like, are you doing something where you're so into like so intellectually engaged and you're so driven that I can get excited about it, right? Um, but you know, I think that. I also I have a twin brother, which is another thing. He dropped out around the same time. So I, you know, I think a lot of people out there who are struggling with these questions, like I had something that a lot of them don't, which is somebody who is in the same place as me. Um, he actually ended up becoming an academic and uh, just got his PhD like a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is really kind of an interesting path of two people dropping out of high school. Um, but really like, you know, if you, if you're working, like, Honestly, if I just speak completely honestly, and this is maybe true, especially for the United States, it doesn't really matter what you do before you're 25. Like, whatever happens, as long as you're not addicted to drugs, I mean, even, even if you become addicted to drugs, as long as you become unaddicted to drugs, as long as you, like, come out of all of those things, a healthy, engaged, excited person uh, in, in this world, like, you'll find a path. And, you know, getting to explore a little is the easiest way to find that path. So... I, I'm not super, like, personally, with, with the people in my life, I try not to be super prescriptive about how they go about stuff. And I think that that's a, that's a good way of it, especially for young people where it's like, I don't know, I think the worst thing most people can do is go to go to school, go to college, go to university at 18, 19, because you, you're going there to learn how to, um, you know, drink alcohol and hang out at parties and, you know, skate by with the rest of your life. And realistically, you can do that while holding down a job and then go to school when you're 22, 23. Oh, yes. I mean, subconsciously, I've probably done that in a way. Uh, like, like, you know, and I even think based on circumstances, and look, I agree with you, it's about opinions and sharing stories here. Obviously, we're not uh, giving prescription, but I even raised the bar to 30, I think, between, I guess, in your 20s, you don't have too much to lose, give and take, unless you go, obviously, family, you start family at a younger age, that's, you know, obviously, to each their own circumstance, but, yeah, you're right, there's so much that you can play, and that, that's probably, it hit me, like, for me, it was um, the supermarket, so I, um, I uh, you know, well, my last year of high school, um, I started playing around, I was like, oh, maybe I want to become a doctor, because I'm watching House, and I love House, and you know, like I was watching TV shows about medicine, like, oh, maybe I want to become a doctor. And then uh, that was quashed because then I read a blog and I'm like, well, you should watch an autopsy video. And if you can't handle that, then probably not a good idea. I'm glad that I did because I was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't deal with this. Uh, but then at the supermarket, I was waiting in line at uh, checkout and uh, I was talking to the lady that, you know, that, you know, I was, you know, super local in a small town when you grow up in a small town. And, uh, and she started saying how she had a PhD and a master's. And it hit me. I was like, well, I'm going to invest three, five, six years onto a topic, but I can still perhaps mm -hmm. end up, you know, and nothing wrong working at a checkout supermarket. Like, I'm just saying, but I could end up working in construction or hospitality anyway. So I kind of saw doors closing. I was like, nah, I want to have as many doors open to go look and I decide to close them and you're right you can start school at 2022 no problem I like you so for sure man yeah 100 
Yeah, um, this is this is yeah. I'm not even following questions anymore. Uh, it's great. Uh, well, um, I suppose there's some people uh, would love also to ask you. Uh, I don't see Vag in the chat, uh, but competition-wise, uh, what was your take out? Like, when did you decide? Okay, I want to compete. And I think the important question is why? Why you wanted to compete? Yeah, uh, I I mean I competed because uh, it was a it was like a thing that I had the chance to do. I mean, I, this is an intelligence here where there's a lot of support for people who wanted to do it. And generally speaking, the only thing they asked of you was that you took it seriously. And uh, those opportunities are really, you know, those are the kind of opportunities that I gravitate towards. And if the worst thing that can happen is I make an ass out of myself, which I did, uh, then that's pretty good um, in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, the first time I competed was, uh, you know, with the old Intelli Chicago crew, uh, Amber Sather, Mike Phillips, uh, Talia Strader. And it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it was just a really great opportunity. I will admit, I had no idea why I was doing it or what I was necessarily getting out of it. Um, but I love the challenge. And I, well, I guess, so the first year I did it, and I competed through to nationals, generally did pretty terribly. Uh, next year, I helped um, Mike, Mike Phillips, uh, with his routine instead of competing, and then competed the year after that. And that's, at that point, was when it started to get uh, more and more serious. Yeah, yeah. I had the pleasure of chatting with him maybe a weeks ago. So, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, no, it's great. And um, a question that my friend Vag always asks you, um, who was a good inspiration for you uh, when it comes to coffee competition? Like, you know, who inspired you? Uh, I mean, I mean, Mike and Mike and Steven were the were the biggest people for sure. Um, I mean, I, I worked with Mike a lot. Like I was his coach uh, when he competed in the Nationals and the Worlds. And, um, you know, we we worked a lot together. I really love, like, uh, Stephen started working at Intelligentsia about, you know, a couple, maybe a year in, uh, Stephen Morrissey, and um, he was really great because he brought to it something that was more about, like, telling a story, like, sharing an experience, like, something where you're taking it to a level that's a little bit more, um, uh, you know, I don't know, um, uh, conceptual. Um, than just kind of like trying to uh, tick all the boxes. And uh, so, yeah, those, those two people overall, as far as like how I compete and what I do are probably the most important. Um, there's also, I mean, there's also somebody, uh, Percy Ramirez, uh, who was my coach uh, when I competed in LA, is somebody that I got a lot of that, uh, you know, got a lot of like, uh, I, don't know, I had a lot of love for him and I learned a lot from him in the time when he was my coach. Uh, and if anybody out there knows Percy, they'll know exactly why and how. He's just like uh, the sort of person who just brings light into whatever room uh, he's in. And he's the sort of person who, like, leads in all of the ways where people don't, like, normally lead. Like, he's he's the guy who gets everything done, who's always always stays positive, always is trying to solve problems. Um, so he's he's in there as well. And the evidence is that the minute you named him, you were smiling, uh, which is great. It's just, yeah, I could tell. Um, and just sticking with fear for a moment, uh, Todd is asking in retrospective, um, what are the most valuable lessons you learned from competing from the perspective of today? Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, a couple of things, like when I competed, I came in, uh, uh, I don't know, like the first couple times, first one or two times I competed, I didn't make top six and then fifth. And then uh, I made um, I made second three years in a row. And that was uh, a really wonderful experience as far as just having to kind of like get, o get over my own bullshit uh, in a lot of ways. And I gained a lot personally from looking at, you know, why did Katie, why did Katie win and I didn't, right? Why did Pete win and I didn't? Why did Layla win? And you know, through that, gained a lot of respect for them, gained a lot of respect for aspects of coffee professionalism that I didn't really, like, give enough consideration to. Um, so 
that's something that I, I, I still feel like I get a lot of value from. The other one is, is you know, people, people give um, guff to barista competitions because they don't make sense compared to real service. And that's generally true, but in a way, it's the furthest. It's, 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 it's complete um, horseshit. The, what they have in common is in a barista competition, you are 100% responsible for every aspect of your service. And when you dive into each one of those things and you care about each one of those things and you look to see how people respond to them, like how do they affect the overall experience? When you start to like conceptualize what you're doing as, as creating an overall experience, right? And you grade yourself on that. That's what having a coffee shop is. That's, that's the experience that once you start to bring that stuff to your experience on the bar, as a barista, as a manager, as an owner, like that's, that's, where, uh, that's where the exciting stuff is. That's, that's how you get to do really cool, fun things. And that's how you get to, um, I don't know, like give back to a community or um, be a part of a community that's uh, really exciting and rich. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. And uh, I'm actually going to, yeah, you gave me an idea of, of something yeah, that I'm going to ask you in a second, uh, just because we, we just hit the halfway mark and uh, we usually ask a out-of-the-box ritual question. Um, it's okay. It's not, it's not that scary. Uh, uh, if you could, uh, who would you like to have uh, dinner with? And it can be anybody Coffee or non-coffee related, it doesn't matter. It's your dinner. Um, you know, I would probably. Uh, oof, man, I'm. That's a that's a I'm I'm that's a terrible question for me, and I I greatly apologize. I would love to have the people I would love to have dinner with are all the really wonderful people in my life that I don't get to see enough of, and like right now I'm feeling uh, missing all the like great people in LA. Um, and, you know, Jamie Lau, Mike, Sakia, Sakia Mason, who's the, in charge of the coffee at, at Go Get Em. Uh, like, that's, if, if I could have anybody over for dinner, it'd be one of those people, and I would just be overjoyed to see him in, in person uh, here in Western Massachusetts on a rainy day. On a rainy day, you know, that, that's a great answer. It's just a little breakthrough from, uh, from yeah, I but, love asking the question. But to the whole thing of, like, um, uh, what would you say? Like, I want to, uh, you know, meet this, you know, Dick Feynman or like some pers great person from history. Well, you'd be halfway through dinner. You wouldn't know what to talk about. There's like a 40% chance you'd find out that the person was like terrible in some aspects that you just absolutely won't accept. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll definitely stick to the people that I know and love and miss. I love it. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, I probably actually, yeah. Even myself now thinking about it, I'll probably answer similar to that probably because, you know, I haven't seen my family in over two years. So, yeah, probably dinner, dinner would be nice. Um, but uh, uh, sort of going back to what you were saying about competition, how it's actually – I was really connecting what you said about the fact that it's still service. And it, isn't it funny? It's also when we make coffee for our loved ones at home. And what I mean is that – I have clear memories of, even if I wasn't drinking coffee back then, going to my best friend's house and the overall experience when his mom made coffee because of the vibes, you know, the, the, the ambience and her cups and her mugs and, you know, it was such a good experience and, and that's the same. Like, I love making coffee, I mean, when we can have people over. Um, and it's the same. It really, it, it, that's what coffee is about. It's just it, connecting people, giving an experience and the vibes just make it, ah, oh, just, oh, I just, it just makes it the best. I don't know. It's one of the best things, you know, it's just like, you know, the people you love most of the times or sometimes, and uh, you can create such strong relationship, even with your customers. If you put it back into the cafe perspective, you know, it's like, I've had friends who I just met as drinkers, coffee drinkers, and then they became best friends, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, we're pretty blessed. I think it's a great, uh, if it's a great world. And obviously, again, blessed and privileged to be in certain countries where we can make a living out of it. Obviously, I understand not everywhere, but yeah, for sure. 
hundred percent. And and you know something that, that's worth mentioning uh, when I was talking about like you know dropping out of school and all of that. I'm blessed and privileged to be able to screw up five or six times in my life, quote unquote, screw up five or six times in my life, and be able to uh, you know find a path through it. And you know it is it is worth like remembering in that conversation that there are people who don't have that and don't have that opportunity. And when we get to um, help a person in that circumstance find the path, that's a really wonderful thing. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's really great to see people in the coffee world um, have it be something that's really wonderful for them. And, you know, conversely, it's really terrible when working in a coffee shop breaks people's souls or like makes them not like their community or their the people that they work with and you know if we're, if we're talking about the places where you, like we can get better or where there's advances can be found i think i think a lot of it lies in that a hundred percent yeah uh, and, and for sure going back on what you just said uh, even in terms of where you where we live, you know, I live in Melbourne. I mean, just imagine that. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, living. I guess the United States still still good. And I'm reading a book at the moment by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Outliers, and uh, it's not the classic book about success. And you know, it's more the story and the concepts around how relevant it is where you're born, when, how the culture, and it's super interesting. I highly recommend it. Um, and going a little bit back towards you, I'm not sure how much you want or can share. Um, you know, obviously you're working towards something, so uh, is that something that's been keeping you also busy during lockdown? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I think a lot of the work that I've been doing is in reflection and kind of the work that can be done in the coronavirus time. Um, but... Uh, you know, like I'm as, I would say that I'm, I'm relatively busy, but I've been way busier before in my life. And uh, one aspect right now is like, I spent, you know, nine years basically working, you know, six to seven days a week uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, really long days with really high stakes. And Honestly, like I'm trying to learn how to take a nap in the middle of the day. Like I'm, I'm trying to learn how to like relax and slow down and stop and like, uh, you know, eat better, exercise a little bit more uh, in doing all of that work. Um, I think that's a wonderful exercise itself. What you're saying, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's it's a very good place. Uh, first, I love afternoon naps. That's something I've learned too during lockdown because I can because I'm, I'm at home all day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's something wonderful uh, that that you can do it, and you deserve it. I mean, you probably worked more hours than a lot of people out there as well to consider uh, the sense that you know you you deserve. It. It's good. I mean, a lot of people a lot of people work a lot of hours. I, I was super happy that the, what I got to work on was something that I loved, and uh, you know, I got to do it with people that I really loved. Uh, uh, so, so definitely, like, I think there's, like, an aspect of, um, I don't know, I've, I've labored, like, laboring six hours or five hours doing something that's terrible is, like, the worst thing on earth. But when you're, when you're doing something that's really great and you get to do it with great people, um, you know, those things come a little bit easier. And, and also, Todd, thank you for the kind words. Uh, happy that you, uh, you're a fan of GGG. Yeah, I was, kind of, I was about to say, uh, to read that. Yes, it's... Uh... I know it's just. I think that you're so well spoken that maybe you can break it down easier. Like I think so. Do what you love. It's been manipulated and stretched and sold, and you know, there's a lot of buzzwords around it. But but it really is true. Like like like. I know it's cliche, but it is really true that doing what you love is so. It's not about being important. It's just. It's just good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's not really a whole lot to say beyond that. Uh, you know, you can uh, when you're doing the things that you enjoy, everything. When you're doing work that that has value to you, might be a better way of, of putting it. Like all the other things in your life get get so much easier. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I I I love the world of coffee. This is uh, everything about it, and to think you know. 
I got into it, I don't know, 2004, right? Maybe. Uh, yeah, somewhere around the 2003, 2004 was when I got into coffee. And, you know, it's afforded me the opportunities to travel the world, to meet really wonderful people. Um, you know, a lot of which were just like customers in my hometown, people I would have walked by every day and, and never really like thought about. Um, but then you, you find people in there, they like give you these gifts just in a single conversation that you have for the rest of your life. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the best. It's, I think um, yesterday I was on the phone with a, well, again, client dash friend now, um, but that was a wholesale client when I was working for a coffee roaster. And uh, it was actually the last coffee shop that I opened up with our coffee before I quit my job last year um, to start my own business. And, uh, and we were chatting because I've actually connected him with someone because uh, he's looking to sell his place and I know someone who wants to buy his place. And so I, you know, I called him just to see how things were going with that deal. And, uh, and he started talking about intention how he was talking how if your intention is good, just good things will come to you. But not in a karma way, uh, as in, you know, like you say, you, you had good intention and those intentions got you to, and hard work, obviously, but they got you to what you just said, traveling the world and connecting with wonderful people and all of through coffee because the intention behind it wasn't necessarily... Like money is not a bad thing, so I hate people who say money are bad. But but like it wasn't just purely money driven. So I think intentions also go a long way. Yeah, something to think about for me. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love this because it adds value into myself doing these chats. Um, all right, <laughs> back to us. Um, and um, okay, so ultimately, what would you say is sort of your coffee mission and? What's, what's next for you? If you can't say it, that's cool. Um, you can even say learning how to make a nap. That's fine. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard question. Um, I think my world is retail coffee. It's what I love to do. Um, retail, like coffee shops. I love coffee shops. I love to be in coffee shops. I love to work in coffee shops. Um, I love building coffee shop menus and um, being a part of those experiences. So... I think the mission, you know, is very much around getting to a point where I get to serve a community of, of customers, employees, uh, and coffee lovers, um, you know, sometime in the future, and to make sure that what I'm doing, uh, like, adds value to all of those, all of those things. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, I think uh, what, what is wonderful about that statement is that you you know what you love aside from coffee because i think that loving something is not necessarily enough in certain ways because in coffee you can do so many in any industry you can do so many things i think uh, soccer or football is a great example you can become commentator or a journalist a photographer a tv personality the actual sportsman a coach uh osteopath uh, dedicated to sport like there's so many little things and narrowing down by trying and open different doors and understand, you know what, in your case, I love retail coffee. It's great. I think, I think it's a great place to be. Also, also like in coffee, like if you work in the coffee industry, you spend a very small amount of time tasting coffee and you might spend, you probably spend a small amount of time making coffee as well uh in you know like the grand scheme of things so i like you gotta love all of the other stuff and you know the way i always think of it is like in any job there's like a humongous pile of crap that you just have to shovel and if you like doing that in whatever industry you're in you're in the right industry so the things that are hard for other people about the retail coffee experience angry customers like busy hours um you know, uh, dirty bathrooms, like it's all stuff that I'm, I'm, per, you know, in some cases overjoyed, not with the dirty bathrooms, but with the other stuff, uh, overjoyed to handle. And, you know, in all cases, you know, willing to do so with a smile. Lovely. I, I love it. And it, it almost like, I don't know, like this is my personal uh, memory when I was still behind the bars. I mean, it's just every day feels like 
I don't know. Every day feels like the first day of school. Um, it, 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 I don't know. There's, there's almost like a, a stillness, I, even though there's dockets moving everywhere and there's cups and coffee and people. There's a stillness in time. I, I think that a lot of hospitality people, they look younger than what, than what they are because I think, I don't know, there's almost like time stops because every day is, people can see as it's the same. I just think it's just, I don't know. You, you know what to expect, but you don't know what to expect. I don't know. I love it. Keep you honest, for sure. To some extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, good. I think I got you back. Sorry. First for a second, but I got you back. Um, and going to, to coffee, I think, something that's important, even at retail, and I would like to ask, you know, uh, your opinion around it, is that coffee's delicious, connects people, it's wonderful, but then it's safe to say that there is, you know, there's a, it is a jeopardy between climate change and, uh, you know, pricing crisis and everything. And I think that without the people, there's so many people involved in the whole chain, it wouldn't be possible. And we rarely stop and think like, you know, the lockdown got us to think about life and, you know, all of these things. But with coffee, most people don't stop and think where it comes from and uh, how it got here for only five, six, seven, four dollars in my cup. Yeah. Um, how retail coffee shops, or in your opinion, of course, can start, um, you know, giving giving a voice to these people? Well, I mean, that's a really hard thing to say, and that's I keep saying that to every question you ask. But um, you know, this is one where there are so many different uh, people involved along the chain, and it is hard to have one model that serves everybody. Uh, the thing that I will say is that. I think that we can, like, I think I think that something, especially coffee, that we can do. And maybe this is very specific to my generation of specialty coffee in America, is uh, to be, be less focused on final cup score type quality stuff and more focused on the final customer experience or the final experience and what that brings. Um, the like if your values as a coffee shop are to pay your staff well and to, you know, be able to provide certain things for the community and to serve good coffee in that order, you probably don't want to be serving the best coffee in the world, like best coffee in the world with, with air quotes and, you know, all the sort of caveats, but you don't want to be like investing in trying to do that because it's not your, it's not your, uh, the thing that you're shooting for. It's not the first thing that you're shooting for. And that if you're serving specialty coffee to people in that in that world, you're you're in our um, you know, you're in our group, you're in specialty coffee. And I think that there's a lot of signif there's been a lot of signifiers over the last 20 years about what makes a good coffee shop and what makes a bad coffee shop. And they've generally been, I think, harmful to us as a as a larger culture. Um, so like just having more space for recognizing the value that all of the different sort of um, iterations of a coffee shop can bring is, is the place where we can grow the most. Um, yeah. On that. I, and on that note, like something that I love to do is I try to, I love to like conceptualize like, okay, what if, you know, what does it mean to have a coffee shop where coffee farmers are getting, you know, $8 a pound for an 85 point coffee and every single staff member gets twenty dollars an hour uh, as the as the minimum wage. Like, how would you have to build a coffee shop to do that? What would what things would you have to get rid of, and what things could could sort of fill the void or provide value for a customer who'd be willing to invest in those things? And uh, I'm sure that there's a secret lab in your house where. You know you're 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 drafting this. I can I can I can feel it, which is which is great, and I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, yeah, it gives purpose and it gives meaning behind uh, behind the idea, and eventually the idea will just you know flower uh, flourish into reality. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I think I think there's been uh, I always say it. You know the eyes have been often in the cup, you know, even as a barista level, you know, like, like we've been so focused on what goes in there, whether it's latte art or the actual coffee. And, and don't get me wrong. Of course, it's, it's important because quality has gone through the roof. Like, I, man, I'm in Melbourne. Like it, it's, 
it's difficult to get a terrible cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, 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 which is super, you know, if you stop for a minute, it's like, that's pretty, that's pretty special. You know, like we live in this place where coffee's, you know, it's good. Um, and I think that, yeah. But then at the same time, experience is such a buzzword in my head. Like it is about the experience. You know, I've had average coffee in a good place with good vibes, with good people around me that I enjoyed more than, you know, your 90 plus geishas in a place where I had terrible service. Also, also like the 90 plus geishas are, I mean, it's just like, it's a, it's a thing. It's it, it, like, like, honestly, there's like so many great good coffees out there, right? That uh, just don't get recognized as such. And like, I, I, I understand it's not like, it's really easy to get on a track of thinking about what's good and what's bad and kind of creating these binaries in your, in your mind that guide you. And you, you know, and in my case, I think I was, it took me like five or six years before I started to even question whether or not any of it made sense. Right. And you find yourself like going down these lines of like, um, I think one was the idea that like you only, you know, we shouldn't have roast flavor in coffee, right? Which is like, it's something that I ascribe to very much uh, for a period. And like, that's just like absurd. It's, it's, it's like, it's like fundamentally in like absurd that we would look down at that as like this degradation of quality, just as a, as a, as a, you know, like for its mere existence, when it's something that A, lots of people love, B is really delicious and C is, is something that we enjoy in all these other foodstuffs. Uh, that we partake in on the regular. Um, so, so I think there's like, a, there's kind of like this moment of like checking yourself and being like, wow, like, do I actually believe all of the things that are guiding my actions and guiding my decisions? And right now for coffee, not just because of the pandemic, right now for coffee is an absolutely wonderful time to do that because we have a generation of coffee, right? This um, like third wave generation that just sold out at least here in America, right? The great majority of those businesses are now owned by much, much, much larger businesses. And while I have a lot of respect for the people who work there, right? And I think that there's a lot of good that's being done. In a lot of ways, the grand experiment is over. Like we're building the next thing. And now is a really wonderful time to be thinking about what that can be and reassessing every assumption that we carried along through the last 10, 15 years. Word. Yes. Um, I, yeah. What you just said just also remind me very quickly that, you know, rule number one in hospitality or services, you can't make everyone happy in the end. You know, there's people who enjoy, who, who, who probably would hate that 90 plus, but there's people who can enjoy that. So it's, it's just that the acceptance of that fact that we can't make everyone happy is probably that. But yeah, I mean, I got some delicious... Nani Plaza was gifted to me from uh, from my my partner, and uh, you know I've been I've been loving them, you know, and I've been drinking it in a, almost like a ritual way. But again, I get it's not for everybody. And uh, uh, but uh, Charles, uh, thank you so much for popping by. I think we got about six minutes left. It was a really we dive deep into interesting spots, and uh, I think I feel that if I was right there at your place now, we could probably carry on the chat, but. You go family and you've already given us a good 55 minutes of your time which i'm super appreciative of um so th thank you so much one uh, second maybe we could do this a take two on my i decided i'm gonna have season two after episode 100 because i need to focus on my second project a little bit more so i was like oh i better I close season one eventually um and uh, maybe on season two, we could have an episode with you and maybe by then your next project is alive and we can sort of do, do, do something related to that. Um, and if there's anything that you left off the table, uh, please, you know, I, I always like to leave five minutes because Instagram shuts it all down in 30 seconds countdown, which is quite cutthroat. Wow. Wait, cut, shuts it down at, a, at a, an hour? Yeah, at 60 minutes, it's finished. And you gotta restart again. So yeah, that's why. That's why to me, I'm always like, okay, we got five minutes left. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of really exciting things uh, to talk about at the Grand Coffee World. I think like you touched on something a little bit when you're talking about the 90 plus and 
you know, the development of these like different categories of flavor. And that's like an area where like, I don't love those coffees. Like I, I generally speaking, I'm, I, I think that they're kind of garish and uh, like not as, not as special as, as the ones that I, I love, but they're a really distinct category of flavor. And, you know, something that I was guilty of in the past was like creating a linear progression of, of, of what's quality, right? And instead of, you know, thinking of, of coffee as what it is, which is this really, you know, diverse, really kind of exciting mixture of different experiences with different histories. And, uh, you know, we have a whole world of people drinking coffee with, you know, all of the experiences that they've had to pull from to be able to uh, take advantage of those things and share them with people. And, uh, you know, I think people are excited about it. So if there's something that I'm excited for in the future, in the next five years of coffee, it'll be seeing people diverge more and more from uh, what are the sort of established protocols for how things are, how things are made and uh, how they look. I love it. And I think diversity is another word that goes really well with the service industry, because I think that we can really make a difference between, uh, you know, different uh, type, you know, the groups of people and uh, the diversity in coffee flavors, the diversity in a lot of aspects, like we can create yeah, a coffee shop. People, backgrounds, yeah. like experience. Exactly. Like if you have exactly. a community with, you know, this grand mix of people and the coffee shop doesn't reflect that, then that is a uh, that is a lost opportunity and a damn shame. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. We we have the we have we have the best platform almost when it comes to coffee and cafes because we can have yeah yeah very interesting yeah diversity. I mean, we could probably talk about diversity for another hour. Um, so I will. Unfortunately, um, I really enjoyed the chat. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, yeah. I, we all can't wait to see uh, what you've been uh, cooking behind the scenes and uh, wishing you all the best with learning how to take naps and uh, enjoy this time, man. Really, I think it's, it's great. Awesome. Thank you. Damn. Um, I'm kind of lost words um this is also a very unusual time for us to go live because uh, it's the morning in australia but um luckily people will be able to re-listen to this either igtv or our podcast on spotify or apple uh, podcast and uh, as well as youtube but um well first i just want to thank charles it was incredible chat i i barely read any of my questions so those are the best episodes in my opinion and uh it's just incredible. I'm incredibly lucky and humbled because despite being episode 96, you think, oh, you've seen it all, you've heard it all. Uh, it just feels new every time. And every time is such a great experience to talk with these amazing people that I'm, that I'm bringing on. And uh, yeah, so thank you, Charles. And thank you all who stuck around all the way until, you know, the end of these episodes. I'm really grateful about that. Uh, we're going to go four more. Episode 100 is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, so stay tuned. It's going to be a, a guest that a lot of you have been asking, and uh, it's going to be a guest that a lot of you have been waiting for. So um, we're definitely going to wait for that. But in the meantime, take care, keep drinking coffee, and uh, look after yourself. Thank you. Ciao.